Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Jesus says, the person who loves their life in this world will lose it, but those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Find it. Think about that. It's about discovery. So what are people trying to do today? People are trying to discover who they really are. This is epidemic in our culture. It's We're having a cultural identity crisis. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of Mark. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Mark chapter 10, verses 1 through 9, in a message titled, Fatherhood. Now, here's Pastor Brian. You don't take any of your possessions with you when you leave this world. You don't take any of your prestige. You don't take any of your power. You take nothing. So what would it profit a person to gain the whole world? And then Jesus asked this question. He says, or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Wow, what would you give in exchange for your soul? You know, this is like the deal with the devil. You know, we've heard these stories about people who, well, they sold their soul to the devil. I don't think that that's necessarily a, a legitimate idea because even if a person maybe had somehow done that, I don't think that that's the end of the story. But be that as it may, what would a person give in exchange? Would you give like, okay, just let me, let me have that moment of fame. Would that be worth exchanging your soul for? So a moment of fame for an eternity of misery, is that a good deal? Sounds like a horrible deal to me. But how many people have done that? Probably the greatest example in all of history would be Judas Iscariot. He trades his soul for 30 pieces of silver and the favor of the chief priest. The favor of the chief priest doesn't last very long. And what happens at the end of the story? He throws the money back into the temple and then he goes and he hangs himself. And how many people, though, have sold themselves? They're, what they're actually doing is they are giving, in exchange for their soul, they're giving or they're receiving just these little insignificant moments of whatever it might be. And that is crazy, is what it is. But so often, people never stop to think about it. You know, one of the things that is kind of shocking to me in these days that we're living in is to see people my age who are, and, and I'm talking about people who were at one time, I know people like this, I know people who were at one time sitting where you're sitting today. They had their Bible in their hand. They were seeking God. They were following the Lord. They were serving him. And they were involved in, in the things of the kingdom. And But they're not doing that today. And then, I see them or, or I hear about them and they're, well, you know, I don't know. I'm just trying to find myself. Really? 
at this stage, you're going to try to find yourself? Why bother? You really don't even have that much time left. (laughs) You know, if you were going to do this, it might have been a better idea 30 years ago, but it's really a bad idea right now. Because about the time you find yourself, first of all, you're going to hate what you find, and secondly, you're going to be dead. (laughs) So what's the point? But what is the deception? What is the delusion that comes upon the mind of a person who suddenly is willing to exchange their soul for these utterly meaningless and insignificant things? But it happens all the time. So Jesus, he says, whoever desires to save Their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for my sake and the gospels will save it. See, here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, lose your life for me. Give your life to me. And you will save it for the future. Now, you can hold on to it now. And you'll lose it eventually anyway. And everything that you try to get during this time, you will lose that as well. Or you can just give all of that over to me and we will save it for the future. Now, I think that's a far better deal. If we think about the realities again of of life in this world and we think about the reality of the future. Because there is a messianic kingdom that is coming. There is that righteousness, peace, and joy that is going to cover the whole earth. There there is that place of, of ruling and reigning with Christ. But it's not here yet. Now the king is in exile. But if we stand with him in exile, we will reign with him in the future. And Jesus said to these men later, he said this to them. He said, you are the ones who stood with me in my sufferings. In other words, Jesus is saying, you're the ones who identified with me. You are the ones who were not ashamed to be associated with me in the years of my exile. Therefore, I appoint to you a kingdom and you're going to sit with me. So remember when James and John's mother said, Lord, I I want them to sit with you. That is part of the plan. That is going to happen. It's just not going to happen yet. But in the future, when the son of man in the regeneration sits upon the throne of his glory, he said to them, he said, you who have been with me during this time of my rejection, you will reign with me on 12 thrones. And of course, the New Testament goes on to say that that's not only true for those men, it's true for all those who follow Christ in these days. So if you try to save your life, if you hold on to your life, if you say, no, this is my life and I'm going to do with it what I want. I'm going to fulfill my dreams, my ambitions. If you do that, you'll lose everything in the end. But if you say, you know, I'm, I'm going to give myself to Jesus and I'm going to live for him and I'm going to serve him, then you are just preserving your life for the future. And let me tell you this too. 
the deal that Jesus is offering, denying yourself, taking up the cross and following me, it's not only going to be obviously better in the future, it's going to be amazing. It's better right now. See, the world is saying, don't deny yourself. Don't take up the cross. Don't follow Jesus. Because if you do that, that's going to be miserable. But if you live for yourself and do your own thing, and follow your own dreams. That's where, oh, it's going to be amazing. No, it's not going to be amazing. Just look at all the people that have tried that before you. And think about how amazing it was for them. And think about all the people around you that are trying it today. How amazing is that for them? Well, it's not amazing at all. But then guess what? The people who are denying themselves, taking up the cross and following Jesus, not only are we thinking about the future kingdom where we're going to be with him there, but guess what? Right now, life is way better. It is a better life to follow Jesus now. It is a better life to lose your life than to try to save it. It's a better life. See, when Jesus says, deny yourself, take up the cross and follow me, yes, he's talking about the reality that there's going to be suffering, there's going to be rejection, there's going to be those things. But you know what? In the middle of that, there's going to be righteousness, peace, and joy that nothing else in the world can ever compare with. See, we tend to think that happiness and fulfillment and all that, it's all wrapped up in these, these things. But it's not. I was reading a book this week written by a friend of mine named Dominic Doan. And uh, it's a book on kind of recovering and having victory over doubt. It's when your faith fails. And it's a really excellent book. But he tells a story of going to Calcutta, India and going to the, the ministry of Mother Teresa. And he tells a story of being there. And on the one hand, he's talking about how just the atmosphere is, is such an unpleasant atmosphere because of the poverty and because of the disease and the sickness and all of that stuff. You know, for a Westerner, that's like, man, this is bad. This is like, you, d you never want to end up in a place like this. But he was talking about how the thing that was astounding him was the people that were there trusting in Jesus, both the served and those being served. He said they were so full of joy. They were so full of contentment. They didn't have any of the things that we have here in the West. They didn't have any of the comforts. They didn't have any of that stuff, but they were perfectly contented and filled with joy. And you know, see, that, that's the reality. You can have all of the stuff that the world says you ought to have and be the most miserable person in the world. Or you can have Jesus and none of the stuff the world says you need to have, and you can be the most joyful person in the world. So when you think about the trade-off, that, that's what it is. Now, now, Jesus says, so like I said, the paradox. If, if you try to save your life, you lose it. But if you lose it, you save it. If you, if you try to gain all you lose all. But he says, if you lose your life for my sake and the gospels, he says that you will save it. Another passage says you will keep it. And another passage says you will find it. 
So those are the three things that happen if you lose your life for Jesus. If you lose your life for Jesus, like it says here, you will save it. You're saving it for the future. You're saving your life. Your life is not going to end in destruction, which it will if you don't lose it for Jesus. Every life will end in destruction that does not surrender itself to Jesus. That's, that's the consequence that every single person will face. So you save it. If you lose it, you keep it. You keep your life, you keep it. It's preserved, waiting for you in the future. But then there's an interesting statement in in John's gospel. So this idea of saving and losing and so forth, it appears in the gospels in in slightly different context. And in John's gospel, the 12th chapter, Jesus uses the same kinds of terms, but it's, it's in a different setting. And, and it's there, he says, unless a, a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it, it brings forth much fruit. And then he says, the person who loves their life in this world will lose it. But those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Find it. Think about that. It's about discovery. So what are people trying to do today? People are trying to discover who they really are. This is epidemic in our culture. It's We're having a cultural identity crisis. People don't know who they are. And all of a sudden, they're on a mission to find out, who am I really? And where do they go? Well, the world says, you got to go deep inside. Go deeper and deeper inside. That's how you're going to discover. Guess what? The deeper you go, the darker it gets. At a certain point, you're going to scare yourself. Oh, no, this is who I really am. I don't like this. But this is it. We're, we're in this crazy cultural moment where we are in a cultural identity crisis. I read a statistic this week, and I can't remember what the exact numbers were, but I think it was above this, but I'm just going to settle at 30%. 30% of high school age students today are gender confused. They don't know. What am I, a boy or a girl? I don't know. 30%? How has this happened? How is there this this kind of craziness that is just permeating the culture where there's this massive identity crisis and people just, they don't know who they are. They don't even know if they're male or female anymore. Well, what is the solution? How, How do we address that? Well, Jesus said, If you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. See, the problem is people are trying to find their lives and they're looking in the wrong place. You have to look to your maker. You have to look to the one who made you. That's how you're going to find out who you really are. You need to go to the one who made you and say, you made me. What did you make me for? You you made me. what, What is the purpose You see, of course, the maker's the best one to go to on this. God knew what he was doing. He made you the way he made you for a purpose. 
And the, the best thing we could ever do is just enter into that. And that's basically what Jesus is promising. That's what he's saying. If you seek to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose it for my sake, you will find it. You will discover who you really are. And I want to say this to you if you're a teenager. I want to say this to you if you're a young adult. I want to say this to you if you're a middle-aged person. I want to say this to you if you're a senior citizen. I want to say this to you if you're 100 years old. God made you. And if you haven't lost your life to get into his purpose yet, do it now. Do it now. Even if you're 100 years old, do it now. Because you're going to enter into what God intended. And then, of course, you're going to fully enter in as we leave this world and go into the next. But this is the wonderful truth. I don't have to find myself. As a matter of fact, finding myself is only going to compound the problem. I have to lose myself. And it's, it's just basically coming to Jesus and saying, Lord, I'm giving you my life. I'm entrusting my life to you, believing that you, having made me, know exactly what you want to do with me. And I'm telling you, it's going to be so amazing in the future that we can't even describe it now because eye has never seen, ear has not heard, that hasn't even entered into the heart of a person, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. That's the future. But I want to tell you that the present is good too. The present is good. Doesn't mean it's exempt from suffering. Doesn't mean that it's exempt from rejection. It doesn't mean that it's exempt from dying. But it's mingled with all kinds of goodness and blessing and glory. But Jesus said this. I'm closing with this. Losing our lives, we lose them for what? The one who loses their life for my sake and the gospel. See, my sake in the gospel. That's what we're losing our lives for. We're losing our lives for something. Again, we're living in the, the day of the cause. Have you noticed that? All of the causes, people are taking up causes like never before. And it's, it's the day of the cause. I'll tell you about a great cause. The cause of the gospel. That's what Jesus said. Lose your life for my sake and the gospels and you'll find it. And adding on this, the gospel, I think gives it real specific definition. You know, some people might say, you might say, well, what, what are you doing? They're like, oh, I don't know. You know, I'm just living for God. Well, what's that look like? I don't know. Just, you know, living for God. <laughs> it's a little too ambiguous. What does it mean to live for God? It means to live for the gospel. It means to live for the kingdom. It doesn't mean that we stop doing necessarily what we're doing. It just means that we do it for a greater purpose. We do it for the sake of the gospel. And so it means that we give our time. It means we give our talent, the very things that God instilled into us. We sometimes call them natural giftings. You know, there's no such thing really as a natural gifting. 
Because God, he created your genes. He's genetically wired you and put things into you that he would love to use for his glorious purpose. So we give our time, we give our talent, we give our treasure. What would it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Think of, think of, think of the people that are going to go to the grave with their multi-billions of dollars that are going to stay right here on earth. And all of their friends and family are going to fight to the death over <laughs> their great wealth. It's the way it always goes. But now we have an opportunity to give our time, our talent, our treasure in the service of the king. Losing our lives for the sake of Jesus and for the gospel. And when he returns from his exile, we will be there to rule and reign with him. And you know, today it might, following an exiled king can have its challenges. And he tells us in verse 38, whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. And I think more and more, there's going to be pressure on those who are following Jesus not to follow him, to be ashamed of him, to be ashamed of his words. You know, there are Christians today who are ashamed of his words. I don't believe that God said that. It doesn't matter that it's written in the Bible. God would not say that. God would not do that. What is that? That's ashamed of his words. So that, that will happen. But are we willing to stand with him in this season of exile? Are we willing to be counted out of the circles of desirable people and to stand with him? That's the reality. It was the reality in the time that these pages were penned. And it's been the reality around the world for many people all the way since then. And it's becoming more the reality in our world these days. So we have to make a decision. There's two options. Save your life, but you'll lose it. Or lose your life. Deny yourself. Take up the cross. And that is simply a, a metaphor for dying to self, right? Person picking up a cross, they were going one place. They were going to be crucified on it. So when Jesus said, take up your cross, he's saying, just die to your dreams and all of that. Live for me. Follow me. And I think about those, those men, you know, again, in their context, they're thinking a kingdom, the messianic kingdom, the Davidic kingdom. Israel is going to be the epicenter. Jerusalem is going to be the epicenter. We're going to be here. Jesus is like, oh no, we're going way out. This exile is going to take me into the farthest parts of the earth, but he's going to come back. And so you could not do anything wiser than to lose your life for the sake of Christ and the gospel.
the month of August, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Embodied, Transgender Identities, the Church and What the Bible Has to Say by Preston Sprinkle. What does it mean to be male or female? Is it okay for a male to act feminine or a female to act masculine? Can someone be born in the wrong body and have the soul of another sex? How can I love my trans neighbor, friend, or child in a manner that honors Jesus? Although the topic of transgenderism has been largely avoided, mishandled, or misunderstood by the church, Preston Sprinkle addresses these very questions on a biblical and scientific basis. And he does so with a compassion that has been informed by the voices, needs, and concerns from the people within the trans community. The book embodied transgender identities, the church and what the Bible has to say by Preston Sprinkle is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the Gospel of Mark. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.